Uh, yeah, it was the story of like how I left Trapper. It, it strikes me as a little stranger and stranger as the years go by. So, you know, my first year was not a success. I was just kind of lost and lonely. So I show up for my second year and I, I, I was given a new uh, roommate in the dorm, this guy, Vaughn, uh, V-O-N. And we immediately just didn't, it just, it wasn't working. Uh, Vaughn was kind of an odd duck. He kind of liked to bait me in conversations. He was a little bit strange, a little bit dark, a little bit um, kind of aggressive, um, very cynical and, and and just, he just really rubbed me the wrong way. And we kind of had a little personality clash thing going on very quickly. And I started to get just uncomfortable being there with him there in that tiny little room, just me and him. And he never seemed to leave the dorm room. Everyone in their life has this, this, <laughs> this roommate who just never seems to go out. We're like, where, where is classes? Why isn't he at class whenever I come back? Come on. I started to feel really edgy and kind of nervous around him. Uh, some things he said, he, he just weirded me out basically. So I came back from Thanksgiving break and he wasn't there. All his stuff was still there, but he never seemed to have come back from Thanksgiving break. So for a week, he was just gone. And then a week after that, I came back from class one day and I'd only been gone in about three hours. All his stuff was gone. His entire side of the room was spotless. His bed had been made. Almost no personal effects of Vaughn remain. And I happened to see the RA in the hall. I said, do you, do you know what happened to Vaughn? And she said, uh, you know, well, you know his, his parents came and, and picked up his stuff. He's not coming back uh, the rest of the semester. I said, do you know why? She goes, no. And that was it. So suddenly I had the dorm room to myself. And initially I thought, okay, well, this is great. This is, you just love this, right? Love this scenario of, yay, I got the dorm room to myself. But it was odd. Every time I came back into that room, I just felt that silence becoming more and more oppressive. I, had, I was already a lonely guy on, on, on campus. And every time I came in and opened that door and saw that empty bed as it got colder and colder outside, I just felt... Uh, more and more unsettled about it, not having any information about him. I didn't know any of his friends. And frankly, I didn't, I didn't really care about what happened to Vaughn. Maybe I felt a little bit bad about that too, just not caring what happened to him. But the mystery of it began to bother me. And soon I began to spend more and more time just outside of that dorm room because I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to go back there. First, I didn't want to go back because if he was there. Now I didn't want to go back because he wasn't there. This was worse. So I started spending a lot more time in the library, you know, late into the night, kind of walking around the town, a uh, little town. And, um, you know, there was, you remember, there was nothing there, nothing there of interest, but I would just not want to go back. Sometimes I would go back really late, one and two in the morning, just because I was so sleepy and tired, it made it better. And then once I just kind of fell asleep on a, on a bench in town, when I you know, and I had fallen asleep a couple times in the library, um, and soon enough, my body clock began to get kind of strange because I was out now at all hours. Because after dark, I really didn't want to be in that room. I started missing some classes, and the next thing I knew, I just um, I went home for about a week. 
I just kind of wasn't in college anymore. And of course, I told myself at that age, well, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just go back next semester. This is it's just a strange time. I just feel better at home right now. But the fact is, I never, I never did go back, and I never found out what what happened to Vaughn. And that was it. That was the end of me at Trapper. I can uh, really relate to elements of that. I feel like in a in a way, my my story is a, di- a different version of that. Um, it was it was my f- it was my first year. Um, I got through one semester, but it, it very just by the skin of my teeth, kind of you know. I didn't think that I didn't want to be there, but I, I guess I was there because I, I didn't know what, what, what else to do. Uh, I had been sliding into my <laughs> uh, position of very poor student, you know, I guess for the last couple of years of high school. Um, but I had this really hungry mind. So I thought if I, you know, I'm just, you know, if I can just, you know, the, apply myself, whatever. Anyway, I didn't know what else to do. So I thought, you know, you always think a new environment's going to kind of reinvigorate you. And so I, you know, I had gotten through one semester and I vowed to do better the second semester. Um, but, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't doing well. And so I, you know, except in my poetry class, I remember it was bringing a kind of intensity to everything, just feeling like I was, I was hard feeling at, 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 at everything. And, um, you know, except for, you know, this, this, this writing arena, I just wasn't going to class very much. And I thought, you know, that that was my problem. So, then, you know, I would feel bad for not doing that, for being undisciplined or whatever. And, uh, and I was writing a lot, but I was also kind of toying around with um, painting and sculpting a little bit. And I would, and I would work on things. And part of, part of, I think what I've always wanted to do with writing or anything creative is that, I don't know. I, I, I do think that I have a, a, a desire to communicate with people in some way because maybe like I, I feel that that's the best way that I can actually do that. Um, oh, I don't know. Like not necessarily to translate or convey the, the way I see things, but maybe that I can take those things that I see or that way that I see the world and kind of, I don't know, make something beautiful out of it. I was feeling that I wanted to connect with people and by showing them my art or my writing or whatever I was working on, I was actually, no one was taking to it well. I, I could feel that there was this this <laughs> this kind of thought that, I think that there, you know, when you're young, there is this desire to kind of um, be a nonconformist and to feel like you're you're on a different path, right? You know, you're you're special, you're unusual. But when when people kind of start to really tell you that that they think there's something wrong with you, it's like I don't know where the line is, but that just edges into this different territory. And I, w- I was starting to find out, like, 
that's the reaction I was getting. And I didn't know how to make sense of it. I wasn't getting any answers or finding what I wanted to find or connecting with people at all. I was, in fact, alienating them. One weekend I went camping with my two roommates. It was like they decided to go one Friday on a whim. Uh, But I remember not really wanting to go with them, but oh, kind of getting swept up in the preparations and and feeling like I, I, I wanted to do something a little different that weekend's. And so I, uh, we threw some stuff together and we went to a place that, um, you know, I think it was in the direction that you would go if you were trying to get to the bookstore. But then at a certain point, you went off on a different road. But, it, you know, since it was so late in the day, we just, you know, we drove in in the car and just we hiked in, but just a short way because we, we really didn't have much light to work with but that was okay um they knew a spot i, I remember there, there was a little bit of light left and i kind of walked around the area and i went down there was a creek nearby and i remember kind of going down there and just <laughs> um listening to the sounds and um there was a a pile of rocks there that was like it was kind of separate from the creek, but it was like, you know, it was like these white stones that were the, anyway, and whenever I sat there and I just kind of tried to get myself together and get relaxed. And, but I, I, I realized already that I, I shouldn't have come. So <laughs> I had my own tent and they had, they were sharing one and, um, you know, you always hear strange sounds when you're camping at night. And I um, I really started to hear some strange sounds. I, After a couple of hours, I know they were asleep. I could hear a sort of humming. It sounded like just a steady, like almost kind of electric hum. But I realized after a while that it was a person humming a tune nearby and um i got i started to get really really scared feeling the way i did alienated and um like a burden not taken seriously i i mean i didn't want to i didn't want to wake them up i didn't want to i didn't want to cause alarm if there wasn't a reason to so i sat with it i sat listening to this sound and then I, after a while, I couldn't tell if, you know, when you're, when you're imagining a, a tune or a sound um, and, you're, and you're straining for it, you're listening for it and you hear it, but you don't know if you're actually hearing it or if you're making yourself. But uh, anyway, I didn't sleep at all. And I held back. I, I didn't, I didn't wake them up. I didn't say anything. And in the morning, I, I uh, just, my nerves were just shredded. And I remember I walked off again and I went over to the same creek that I had the night before. And I don't even know what to think of this now. But when I got there, that pile of white rocks that I had seen and sat on the evening before, they had moved. They were on the other side of the creek. (laughs) I remember going over to them like the creek was so small you could just step over it i mean it was just a little trickling stream 
I was looking for steps or like some sign that like, did someone move these rocks in the night? They looked exactly like, like they looked the evening before they were just on the other side. And I think that I saw like a, a, dra- a like sort of a drag mark, like not footsteps, but like, like something had slid, like, like it had slid, like there was a sliding that had, I don't know. I just, um, everything just seemed so frightening and so hostile you know, I walked back and I, I, I took a look at my roommates and I just I just had no connection to them and I wish I hadn't come. And I I could see that they, well, we were planning on going back that day, but they wanted to do some hiking around. And I just said, look, I'm not feeling well at all. I need to, can we go back? I'm really sick. I think I'm really sick. And they agreed, but they were obviously very annoyed with me. And I just sat with it and I went back with them and they didn't talk to me at all. And I, I just still wanted to tell people, like, look, I know, I, I don't know, maybe I just, I just, this can be beautiful. Like, I swear I'm not scary. I just, I didn't know what was going on. I was definitely having a crisis. Um, but, you know, <laughs> shortly after we got back, I think it was just a few days, I did go back to the bookstore. Um, it was in the daytime. And, um, I remember certain things like the way the sun was coming in the windows. It was slanted. So I feel like it was in the morning. Um, and I remember going up to that little raised area and like um, sitting down on the floor and reading that, reading that book, reading that book of stories. I think that there was one that was, it was about the sea and it was like, I think it was about like a ghost ship or or a ship that would come around and was kind of was kind of a portent for death, you know. Um, that's all I can really remember about it. It's so vague, but but I think that there was a story like that. Uh, I was reading that, and I remember I, I I after a while I, you know, we talked about this before, like how it just the the attendants would like be there and then not and then you know you just you didn't know when to you know that wasn't all that strange but i i was walking past the front counter and someone had left a note on the front counter just kind of a small note and it said apologies there's been a death in the family we'll be closing early by the time I got back to the house, there was a message for me to call my mother, um, a message written for me <laughs> in, can I say, a similar fashion for me to call my mother. And when I did, I, I found out that, that my father had actually died. That oh, my God. It just seemed like everything in the universe was, I, I just had to get out of there. Like, I didn't belong there anymore. I couldn't stay there. And I reached out to a friend of mine who had moved to um, the desert. Like I didn't want to be in the woods anymore, surrounded by trees, not being able to see the idea of being somewhere flatter, somewhere where you could see the horizon, where you could see what was coming at you, where you could see what was surrounding you seemed comforting to me. And, and she said that I could come and stay with her and she, Shortly thereafter, I, I, I left, and yeah, that's how I ended up leaving. 
You know, I don't think either one of us really responded maybe that well to just the, you know, the, the physical geography of, of the campus, you know, it, it just, um, it was a little bit intimidating. We were kind of in almost in sort of a bowl situation and, and the, you know, you had the mountains in the distance every night. And I can only imagine like some kids who maybe came from the East <laughs> mm-hmm. all the way to Trapper and just being out there in the big sky and those sometimes odd noises out there and very, very small town, nothing to do. And just that sense of, I don't know, a lot of trees, a lot of, a lot of hills, mountains, crags everywhere. And I, I don't, it didn't really help me stick around. I'd say that. Yeah. The, uh, the Valley, you know, it's always, the Valley is always kind of spoken of mentioned as if it's this, kind of um, pastoral, kind of a beautiful, desirable thing. But um, there are certain implications to being, I mean, if you just think, you know, <laughs> back back very far, I mean, being in a valley was um, kind of being exposed to danger in a certain way. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, but yes, I, I, I can relate. Uh, yeah, well, well, speaking of, um, of the bookstore, uh, before I forget here, I, I have some results. Do you remember you were talking about maybe we could find the old phone books from that period in that region? Yes, uh, yes. I have, I got results. I got oh. the last six days have produced results. So what I did was I, I called, you know, flailingly, I called the phone company out there. Somebody there was nice enough. They referred me to the like the central library of the state. And some other nice person there said, no, what, what you want is, is actually the state archives maybe because they probably have a lot of those on microfiche. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm many, many states away. So when he heard that, he said, well, you know, there's, there's also a possibility is that it sounds weird, but there's a lot of people who collect these things. They're collectors of old phone books, old yellow pages. I thought, well, I guess that kind of makes sense. So he said, let me call you back on this. Like, okay, perfect stranger. You know, he, he calls me back the next day. He actually had a lead. Um, he said, there's a guy uh, out here who is a collector of such things, and I believe he collects phone books. Here's his number. Zeke Zimmerman is, is the, the collector's name. Zeke Zimmerman. Uh, so I call up Zeke Zimmerman, um, odd guy, very high pitched, very tinny voice, spoke real fast, but he, he does, he collects old phone books and old yellow pages. He's got 4,000 of these in a shed out on his property, you know, in, in the state. Um, so he said, yeah, let me, I can actually, I'll go out. I will look this up for you. I'm happy to do it. You could tell he was just delighted. And then the very next day, he says, he calls me up. He goes, oh, I think I found it. You know, and all I had told him was that I was, you know, we're looking for like some bookstore that was there in like the early 90s, maybe not for very long. Um, and that's all we knew. And he did the research. So he didn't find any listings under bookstores, but he found this place under um, the category was gifts, gifts in the Hello Pages. He said there was a listing from uh, like fall 1990 uh, until about summer of 1992, he said. 
And it was in the town uh, Box Hall, B-O-X, which do you remember? That's I mean, that's one of the towns that's kind of in the area, right? It's it's off the highway. There's a little bit of hilly action out there. So may, maybe that yeah. was. Yeah. So I began to get a little excited. And the store, get this, the store was called Goshawk Books and Cards. And remember, we were talking about animals. You know, I thought maybe there's some kind of animal connection in the name or some kind of like Goshawk. What, what an unusual name. So I hit the internet. And this was just what, about 24 hours ago, I hit the internet looking for this place, kind of getting all trembly. And this is the most amazing thing. This place has not existed since 1994. They closed down. It's not. It's not the store. It's definitely not the store because they still have what their they still have their original website. But this website is for like nineteen in the early nineties. It was like one of those adorable like my first website things, like like you would build through like AOL hometown back in the day or something. Like really early, and but it's they're still host, someone's still paying to host it. So they have little photos of the store, oh. and and like it's got Comic Sans fonts and has like no information at all because they, they couldn't do anything with a website in those days. But it's still there, even though they closed down and they moved to uh, Michigan. But you could tell this was not this was not the place. Uh, not at all, because like, it was a very, very hallmarky shop, you know, run by this nice old couple and uh, very happy place. But I, that was a really, it was a crazy moment when I thought we almost, almost had it. Wow. This seems so, why should this be so difficult? I, yeah, the phone yeah. book collectors of the world, they're out there. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I applaud, I applaud your effort and I'm, I'm, both surprised and not surprised that it yielded um, kind of a <laughs> misdirected results. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to, you know, keep, uh, I don't know, maybe the microfiche idea. Maybe I can find someone out there to actually go in a library and I don't know, take mm-hmm. one last stab, but it's. There must, you know, everything leaves a trace and it's like, this must have just left a very, an elusive trace. I don't know. Everything leaves a trace. That's that phrase. That's a, it's kind of a hopeful phrase, but kind of, I don't know, kind of vaguely sinister somehow. Every now and then I imagine I hear a rattlesnake, but my husband says that it is a faucet, a paper rustling, the wind. Then he stands by a window and plays a flashlight over the dry wash outside. What does it mean? It means nothing manageable. Joan Didion on morality. Canyons. I'd like you to focus on a point on the ceiling or the wall and to Concentrate all of your attention on that point. Center all your intention on that spot. Let your peripheral vision fade, dissipate. When it feels like too much effort to keep your eyes open, then I would like you to close your eyes. 
Now bring the awareness to your breath. Inhaling smoothly, fully. Now imagine that when you exhale, you can feel tension leaving your body and dissolving. Follow my voice. As I count backwards from five to one, you'll find yourself in a deeper and deeper state of relaxation. You'll hear me and respond to me. You'll be able to move and speak. You will remember everything that happened in the past. So I'd like you to concentrate now on going back in time to the night of September 22nd. Five, four, three, two, one. Do you remember that night? Yes. Any impressions you have? Is it warm or cold? Warm. Okay. How about the air? Is there any wind? No. And where are you? In the car. You're in the car? Going where? The store. Which store? The one by the beach. Now that's not the closest store to your house. Why do you choose to go there? Because I want to drive. Drive? Get out of the house. Why do you want to get out of the house? I don't know. Is something bothering you? What's, uh, what's unusual about tonight? I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Something feels different. What feels different? <laughs> the radio. It's... There's something going on. It sounds weird. It sounds weird. The music they're playing? No. No. The... People, their voices. I don't know. I can't explain. Just something's wrong. You can't describe why you think something's wrong. <laughs> okay, that's okay. We'll move on. 
So you get in the car. I need some... I'm going to the store. Is it dark? Yes. What are the roads like as you're driving? Alone. Alone? What do you mean by the roads are alone? Do you mean empty? Yes. The canyon. You don't see other cars? No. No, there's one. One car? Going past me. Fast. Past you the same way? No. The other direction. And they're going fast? Yes. You notice that as they go by. Away from the direction you're going. Yes. I'm thinking they will kill someone. And you think that because of their speed? Yes. It's too fast. I can feel the gust of air as they go by. So you drive into town, and what happens when you get there? I miss the turn. You miss the turn. Why why do you think that is? It's a route you know well. I see something. Something that disorients you? That frightens you? Yes. What frightens you? There's... Uh... Nothing can hurt you. There's there's no need to avoid it or back away. You're safe and calm. Now, can you describe what you see? Let's move forward again. Will that be all right? Yes. Okay. So you do then uh, find the road to the store? Yes. Do you... Think about turning around, going back home? Yes. But it's farther to turn away, and that means I... No. I can't. I don't. You find the road, and you take it, and eventually you find the store, and you pull into the parking lot. Is is it a large lot? Yes. Is it well lit? Um, yes. What do you see? Big lot. White painted lines where you park. Tall. Big lights. And do you park close to the building? Yes. And do you see anything through the windows? Yes. And... There's something. I don't know. You don't know what you see? I don't know if I even see it. Maybe you do see something, but it's hard to understand. It's... I think it's just a shape. A shape in the windows of the store? Yes. Something 
moves in the window. Can you describe what you see? I don't... I'm not sure what I see. You don't have to make sense of it. You don't have the burden of explaining it. Just describe what you detect. Something moves. A dark thing. Is it a a person? A human shape? I don't know. I think it is. (laughs) But... But what? It's too... It's too thin. Uh, maybe too tall. Too, like... Yes. It's too tall. Too thin. It isn't normal. The shape is wrong. The head, it's not... It can't hurt you. Nothing can hurt you now. You're safe. Okay. What does it do, the shape? It moves across the windows. But the reason I can't see it it, is that it's too fast. Fast? It doesn't make any sense. It's like... Take your time. We're in no hurry. It's like it's thrown across the windows. Toss. Like someone just has hold of its feet. Like a doll. Like if you would swing a doll. Like you would hit at something. Like it's a smash. But across the whole front windows, the whole way. It whips across. Yes. And what are you thinking? I, I don't know. I don't think it's real. What happens then? I go in. I walk toward the door. You go in anyway, despite what you see. Yes. Aren't you afraid? I... I don't want to acknowledge what it is I see. That makes it real. And at this point, you still don't know what it is you see. No. I just want to pretend that... I want to wake up. Can I wake up? Not just yet. Let's let's keep going. Oh, but... I don't want to go in. But you do. You do tonight. You go into the store. Yes. You walk right in. I swish open the doors when I get close. When you walk in, do you see anyone? A checker. They're bent down. I just see their back. What do you do then? I go down an aisle toward the back corner. And what's back there? Meat. Ice. Tanks. Tanks? With lobsters. Do you see anyone working back there? 
No. It's empty? Yes. There's... Steam. It looks like people have just left. Disappeared. There's steam? On the glass. The cases. Yes. What happens then? I walk to the coolers. With the, uh, with the open tops where they put the meat? Yes. And do you see what you're expecting to see? What do you see? I look down and Yes? And And what do you see? Blood. Blood in the coolers? Yes. They're full of it. What else do you see besides blood? Like, like, like full of organs. In packages wrapped up to buy? No. What do you do? I turn around. Do you run? No. I walk. And you aren't in a hurry to get out? A panic? I don't want to show. You don't want to show your fear? No. Yes. I walk normal. I don't, I don't know if this will help, but I think they're watching me. Do you see anyone there watching you? No. Nothing. Just the lobsters in the tank. They're scrambling around, climbing over each other. They have these yellow bands on their claws. Is the cashier still up front? No. They're not there anymore. I don't see anything. And you walk out the front doors? Yes. That's when I ran. You ran to the car? Yes. Does anything interfere? Does anyone come after you? Follow you? I don't know. I don't think so. And you drive home? Yes. Why do you drive home? Do you think about going somewhere else? Yes. But there's nowhere. Nowhere else to go? No. And you get there. Yes. And when you get there, what do you see? The rocks. The rocks. What rocks? They're, they're all... Okay, now when I snap my fingers on the count of Three, you will wake up. One, two, three.